Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing with our study in the epistles of John. And we continue today with 3rd John, having concluded with 2nd John in the last session. We agree with the scholars who tell us that 3rd John was written by the same author of 2nd John and 1st John and the Gospel of John and the Revelation. This was the Apostle John. We know that it speaks in terms that are similar to that in 1st and 2nd John. With love and the truth, distinctive phrases such as that, or truth in you, or walk in the truth, uh, it's his designated title, self-designated title of elder, of course, that also helps us understand uh, that if he did not write Third John, he probably didn't write Second or First John either. And so we accept the fact that the Apostle John wrote Third John. The book was addressed unto the well-beloved Gaius, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. He was well known only, uh, not only to John, but also to many Christians and to the church at Ephesus. Uh, but uh, he, who was he? Gaius was a common name in the first century. It was a common name among Christians. So who is this fellow called Gaius? Gaius of Macedonia assisted Paul in the Apostles' ministry at Ephesus and was dragged into the amphitheater along with Aristarchus during the insurrection of the pagan silversmiths. We find that in Acts chapter 19, verse 29. That was Gaius of Macedonia. Then the man named Gaius, who was of Derbe, journeyed with Paul from Macedonia under the province of Asia, in the latter months of Paul's third missionary journey. We see that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4. Another Gaius, Gaius of Corinth, was evangelized and baptized by Paul. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14. Later, he became Paul's host and his house became the meeting place of the Corinthian church, according to Romans 16.23. So we could consider all three of these men as possibilities for the addressee of this book. However, there's one major problem common to each of them. They were all probably converted under the ministry of Paul. The well-beloved Gaius seems to have been a convert of John. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. 
So then we must concede that little is known about this fourth Gaius except that he was an influential, hospitable member of some church in the Roman province of Asia, which was under the general spiritual oversight of John. Some have suggested that Gaius was its bishop elder, but there's no firm support of that position. Trouble had developed in the church where Gaius was a member. Diotrephes had usurped the authority in the church, speaking ill against John, refusing to receive the apostles' representatives, and then mistreating those who did. We see that in verses 9 and 10. We'll read that in a moment. A previous letter sent to the church, either one of the two epistles or a lost letter, had been totally disregarded by Diotrephes. News of Diotrephes' audacity reached John either through the return of his emissaries, the report of his brethren who had been entertained in the home of Gaius, or the report of Demetrius. John hoped to visit Gaius and the congregation to correct any situation personally, but he was unable to make the trip right away. And we find that in verses 10 and 14. And so, John wrote this little letter, this postcard, to encourage Gaius to cope with the situation himself. It may be that Demetrius was the bearer of the letter, and John wanted Demetrius to take charge of the work after Diotrephes had been disciplined. As with the other epistles, this letter was penned somewhere in the period between A.D. 85 and A.D. 95, by John while he was in Ephesus. And there is an early tradition that you might mention. Eusebius claimed that John returned from his banishment on the island of Patmos. That's referred to in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. He came back to Ephesus after the death of the Roman emperor Domitian in A.D. 96. Eusebius further claimed that John revisited the churches in the province of Asia at that time. And uh, 2 John 12 or 3 John 14 might lead us to that. Because of this tradition, some have suggested that 2 and 3 John were written after the book of Revelation. However, these two books could have been written before his exile to Patmos, when he still had freedom of movement on the mainland. And so we can't say with any certainty that John fulfilled his desire to visit the elect lady and Gaius. In this personal note, another personal note, John determined to inform Gaius of his love and prayers, to express his joy over Gaius's stand for the truth, to commend Gaius for his hospitality, to reveal his displeasure over the arrogance of Diotrephes, and to promote a rejection of Diotrephes' leadership and a following of Demetrius's example. He also wrote this to commend Demetrius and to inform Gaius of his plans to visit him. Well, it was a distinctive signature of his literary style when John merged the concepts of love, joy, and truth Love in the truth, verse 1, truth in you, verse 3, walk in the truth, verses 3 and 4, the fellow helpers of the truth, verse 8. Gaius was not only known for his love, verse 6, but he was greatly loved by all believers and by the apostle himself, verse 1. Gaius may have been a physically weak person because John prayed, 
I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And that's verse 2. He was stronger spiritually than he was physically. John informed Gaius that he was the cause of the apostles' rejoicing because uh, his walk in the truth manifested by his hospitality. He commended Gaius not only for entertaining Christian laymen and itinerant missionaries, but for giving financial support to them. And that's important. Financial support is always important in the work of the Lord. Diotrephes was just the opposite of Gaius. He was full of pride. He rejected the apostolic authority of John. He disregarded the exhortation of a previous letter by speaking maliciously about John in public, by not receiving the brethren sent by John, by forbidding those church members who wanted to receive them, and by expelling those members from the church. Meanwhile, John admonished Gaius to follow that which was good as personified in Demetrius, not to follow that which was evil as personified in Diotrephes. The apostle then declared that Diotrephes was unsaved. He was lost. He stated that Demetrius had three testimonies to his spiritual goodness, all Christians, the truth itself, and the witness of John. Some have suggested that this was the same Demetrius, the pagan Ephesian silversmith who persecuted Paul and his companions in Acts chapter 19, verses 23 through 41. Now, there's no positive truth or proof of that, but if it were possible, and it is, then it would demonstrate what the grace of God can do in a human life. There in the last couple of verses, John tells us he wants to write more, but since he had planned to visit Gaius, he kept the letter short. He then concluded by sending greetings to Gaius and by asking Gaius to greet the apostles' friends there with him. I want to take time now to read Third John. We begin at verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good, he that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. 
Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Let's take a further look at Third John. Gaius brought much satisfaction to the heart of the elder, the aged apostle John. This was a generous friend. He was well known. He was well beloved. Four times in this letter, John calls him beloved. He was a humble servant with deep convictions who had proved his worthiness by faithful sacrifice for God. We know that though he was weak in body, he was prospering in the spirit. To know the Lord and to follow him consistently in a life of submission is the highest form of living, even when the physical part isn't working as well as we would like for it to. Now, we're not told what Gaius's illness was all about. Uh, we are more importantly assured from the word that he had prospered in his soul. Friends apparently had kept John informed of his persistent growth in grace and fruitful service. Not only did Gaius know the truth, but he also walked in the truth. He lived in obedience to the very will of Almighty God. When the apostle received the good news about Gaius, he rejoiced greatly, giving thanks to the Lord. He learned over the years that living in God's will was the only way of blessing. Just like David said in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. So when we seek above everything else to obey God and to do his will, we will surely discover untold enjoyment in Jesus Christ. Now there is this um, apparent truth that Gaius came to know Christ under John's ministry. Uh, this is his uh, statement, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. It's thrilling to be used of the Lord to bring others to Christ, and then even more thrilling to watch them grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't help but be concerned when we consider a vast number of believers who have never, ever attempted to lead a lost person to Christ. They're missing great satisfaction. Can you imagine the joy that will be ours when we meet people in heaven who are there because we cared enough to tell them about the Lord? That is indeed joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we ought to grasp every opportunity to tell others about Jesus Christ. Suppose all believers were witnessing in the manner of telling everyone they know one-on-one -on -one about Jesus Christ. Who could begin to estimate the results? God's called us to share the truth. He says, ye are my witnesses in Isaiah 43:12. So let's be about the Father's business, be the witnesses and tell others about Jesus Christ. Beloved, thou doest faithfully, verse 5, Whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which are born witness of thy charity before the church, 
whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. But, or because, I should say, that for, thy, for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Here it speaks, John saying, they didn't have to beg or borrow or receive gifts from the lost. Gaius had a zealous heart. He had a heart for the lost. He was a, a saint who lived it. He was kind. He was benevolent. He was known for his hospitality. And he was commended for his faithfulness. And those that had been entertained by him had not forgotten that. Those that had been fed by him had not forgotten it. They had, as John said, borne witness of thy charity, thy love, thy gifts before the church. And so this would keep those itinerant ministers and other Christians from starving as they traveled, and keep them from some of the greater difficulties of travel during that time. And it is very important that we, even in this day, accept the um, need of hospitality for traveling Christians and to assist them as we can. And the reason they're traveling, at least in the time of John and Gaius, was that they were obeying Christ's command found in Mark 16:15 to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so we need to accept that as well. And we need to accept the hospitality and to give the hospitality so that we can spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we know that these were the ones that went everywhere they went preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 4, verse, or excuse me, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And they left their jobs, they left their homes, they left their income, and they became roving witnesses, if you will, preaching and teaching the word of God as they went. And then there was opposition there, as we've told you, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Wherever the Lord is doing a good work, the devil is, through his minions, on the scene. There are many diatrophies in our day that have assumed powers and authority of churches that God has never intended for them to. They're lost. They're without Christ. They're on the way to hell. And yet they try to run the church. They have become lords over God's heritage. And they're to be dispatched. They're to be thrown out of the church. The Apostle John was greatly disturbed by the attitude of Diotrephes, and he wanted him to be taken care of. Now, he's not going to get there to do that. We've mentioned that already. And so he writes to his friend Gaius and says, take care of it. And he refers to him, Demetrius. 
Demetrius hath good report of all men, of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I won't be able to do it with my pen and ink, he said. Peace be to you, to thee, our friends salute thee, greet the friends by name, he said. Now, in his closing remarks, John bears greetings from mutual friends. Likewise, he desires to be remembered to his many friends residing near Gaius, as well as the faithful ones passing through his home. You know, the fellowship of the saints is a marvelous thing. We have a blessed privilege to be a member of the body of Christ. Peace be to thee, I will repeat. It's much as what Christ said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. The peace that passeth all understanding. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.